0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: This month, Cult of Luna will release their new album, A Dawn to Fear, the band's first material under their sole name since 2013's Vertical 1 and 2. A record comprised of eight tracks running 79 minutes, A Dawn to Fear embodies everything the band's faithful have come to expect from them while covering new ground. Purchase your copy now at MetalBlade.com slash Cult of Luna. Once again, MetalBlade.com slash Cult of Luna.
2: It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Peter Spych, Brandon Hahn,
1: and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? Hey, what's going on? Saw so your host, Petra Spych, That was annoying. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm always joined by... I don't think I've gotten over what you just did. (laughs) You shouldn't. I'm going to need some therapy. I'm going to need some therapy. What's going on, guys? Uh, My name is Brandon Han. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Mister Han Comedy.
0: H A H N is how you spell that. And Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. Go to jocelynsharp.com. I will be all over the United States in the whole month of September.
1: You guys will not hear her voice in the whole month of September, I believe. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, she's gone. She'll be gone, guys. So make sure you support her on the road. JoslynSharp.com and if you guys want to follow me I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook, Twitter Rise to Offend official on instagram this week guys we got ray luzier from corn and kxm we are here to talk about not one but both his new records that are coming out september 13th kxm's third record circle of dolls will be out and then of course corn's the nothing also will be out both september 13th guys hang in there for that chat real fun interview as cool as they come ray is and uh this week guys boom 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 13 years wait 13 years over New tool record for your inoculum has come out, and uh, we are here to give us our reviews and discuss it. But first, let's talk about the physical package, which I got here which I bought, which I pre-ordered, which I just showed to Brandon and Jocelyn um, before we talk about the music because this is special within its own right. It's sick. It's pretty amazing. So for anybody out there that doesn't know, I'm sure there's YouTube videos of what it is and all that stuff, but um, what they put together was a little screen and you open it up and you have artwork in there. You can pause it, you can play it, you can move to the next and there's kind of an ambiance music behind that artwork and package. It also comes with a cord so you can plug it in and charge it just like any uh, device like an iPhone or a... uh, Amazon type Amazon yeah or a uh, Kindle Kindle. or something like that. yeah So um, pretty impressive packaging. Now also don't take out the booklet, which is, uh, it's a larger record, you know, so the booklet is also really fancy. It's got great images. It's got paintings of all four members in the band. The
0: artwork is unbelievable. It's
1: it's really impressive. And then it also came with the CD. Now the CD version, which I thought was cool, it is uh, the seven songs. So you got the six major songs on the record and then... One of the uh, intros now, it came with a download card, which I think a lot of people may have heard the 10 song version. That's the download card version or the iTunes version. So uh, the CD, though, is just the seven songs, which is about, I think, an hour and 19 minutes. That's what I've been rocking. So I haven't been rocking the 10 song downloadable version all week. I listened to it a couple times, but yeah, I just like the CD version. So. With that packaging, amazing. We did go to eBay because last week, if you guys remember, Brandon said there was a conspiracy of uh, people going to sell this. What did you say? Regurgitate your
2: conspiracy theory on the new tool record. I said some people were going to buy the t- new tool record and then immediately turn around and try and sell it on eBay.
0: I like that he keeps calling it a conspiracy theory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel no,
2: no, 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 no. no. <laughs> like, I feel no, like no. You're
0: saying Reagan replaced yeah, exactly. all the birds. I think yeah. that you guys. <laughs> I'm over, here, I'm over here, like,
1: yeah, the lizard people are telling you to wait, dude. Reagan did replace all the birds. Okay, uh-uh. don't, right. Ian pigeons weren't a, p- pigeons weren't a thing in 1979. Don't Pigeons start. were not a thing. Don't <laughs> no. tell
0: me you're a bird truther. I'm Please kidding. Don't.
1: Wow, a bird truther. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to jump on your joke. I have no bird truth Oh, in me. not
0: a joke. They are people. Those are, that's a real belief.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I recall and I don't have the audio, last week, Brad, said somebody bought a bunch of copies to sell them on eBay knowing that the record would sell it in advance. Joslyn, are you going to back me on this?
0: Um, I'm going to back you on that because that is what he said. He okay. said that it, it's going, He, his implication was that some fans might take advantage of others their fans
2: thank you Jocelyn thank you for making it out like I'm sitting in my parents basement <laughs> doing all this with crazy foil g- hat yeah. on with
0: a big picture of Maynard a bunch of yeah. string
2: I'm, I'm just going <laughs> into the deep dark web I trying will be to a millionaire yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I bought 75 million copies anyway so uh, we went on eBay and the records going for how much 120 bucks and how many copies are available on eBay right uh,
0: now two is what I could find
1: <laughs> two for 120 bucks so I think a lot of people are hanging on to this for at least uh, we'll check back in three months and we'll see because we know the short attention span.
2: Of Here's people. the deal, though, and plus I want to see what's going to happen when people get the record, they listen to it for about a week, and now they're going to try and turn it around and sell the already open copy yeah. and probably for 120 bucks. Well, that's
0: the thing is it's only been a, a couple of days where we, I only looked on the first page of eBay results. The rest of them were all t-shirts. So I mean. uh, there you
1: go. So uh, eventually you're right. It's going to be a collector's item. I imagine it will be worth it. It's
0: sick. It should a be a collector's item in,
1: uh, in, in years, unless they do another run or something like that, which nobody I've heard nothing of that. So I d- mm-hmm. will tell you this. I went to our uh, Zia records out here in Las Vegas. I went to Zia records and they had none. They had zero copies. They did do a midnight uh, playthrough for Tool fans uh, to come out there. And I know whatever copies they have, they sold that night. But uh, yeah, none available out here as well. So it's nice sitting next to me right
2: here actually this there was a big sign out front of zia records that said there
1: was a well i don't want to say like it was a professional sign but there was a handwritten sign saying the tool record is sold out
2: yes right so um yeah so yeah i'm not saying they went and got like a professional <laughs> yeah. they just wrapped I, the I whole don't building think that
0: changes the story <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I, I, I personally feel that
2: anybody walking
1: up to the record store like walking to the record store they can go inside and the clerk can be like yeah we don't have any i don't know if you need a sign for it. that's all i'm saying all, all I'm, I'm saying is, is like hey, oh man i'm going back home but, right? but, but the thing maybe. is though is
2: maybe They got tired of answering the same goddamn question. They're like, where's the new tool record? Sorry. Where's the new tool record? Sorry. And I don't want to have to deal with that disappointment over and over and over. And there's probably
0: people that are mad. There's probably people that are like, you didn't fucking stock enough. Like, what the fuck? How are you (laughs) supposed to? Like, people are assholes to retail workers.
1: Proactive customer service. I like what you guys are doing. (laughs) Because this is what really happens in customer service is that people walk past the sign and still ask you where the record is and still give you the shit. So I'm glad that you guys think a sign works. All I'm saying is is we need a buffer. And sometimes it does work. Yeah. Have you ever seen an out of order sign on a toilet and people just go in anyway? <laughs> hey, dude, whatever. I just got to go number one. <laughs> and Who they pee on shit? the ground. I yeah. worked at
0: Victoria's Secret for five years and women do not understand the concept of what expired means when it comes to coupons. Oh. So people don't. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, they don't give a fuck. Reading?
1: No. <laughs> no. No, just just like any article or news story, just headline. Oh, I read the headline. I don't need to know. I don't need to know the details. So, anyways, now the packaging was amazing. Very happy I own this copy. Mine, of course, is open and I will play with it and hopefully uh, never sell it. Uh, it's so good. Cool, but great job on that. So that to me does make the, the first before I even put the record in that presentation already gets you pumped. Right. And then obviously we're going to talk about the record. We're going to go do the roundtable. Brandon, if you have to rate it from a <laughs> one to
2: five star ratio, you go ahead and give us your rating and tell us why. I'm going to give it a four and a half. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. You know, I didn't think they were going to let us down. I definitely thought it was going to be a Tool record. I don't think they were just going to... These aren't the types of guys that just pack it in like some of these artists do. Uh, The songs are long. Um, I've actually... I listened to it all day Friday, all day yesterday, and on the way up here. So I only got through about four tracks. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Up. <laughs> so I still have three more songs to go. Um, but no, I um but no, I, I listen to the whole record. It's really good. Um again, it's the same Tool ambiance. The one thing I'll say about Tool is these guys aren't uh they're not rock stars, they're composers, and you have to go into it with that kind of mindset. These aren't the types of songs that you're gonna scream your head off down rolling down the street. I mean, these are definitely songs where you it's better served if you put on a pair of headphones, go into a dark room and just really enjoy the record.
1: Yeah. Jocelyn, who uh, has told us she's not really a tool fan, right?
0: Yeah, but you're gonna be surprised about what I have to say. Okay, okay.
1: Wise. Let's go with Jocelyn. What What do you think about the record?
0: I would give it like a 4.8 or 4.9. Pretty close to perfect. <laughs> so we're all kind here's, of on the same boat. Here's, go ahead, 4.8. Here's what here's, what, here's, but think, listen, to me out. Hear me out. Hear my logic, and this is the, the, the I have logic behind my reasoning. We have 13 years of buildup, right? Mm -hmm. It would be incredibly easy for them to disappoint us in any way. Incredibly easy after 13 years of buildup and anticipation and expectations. Go ahead. I'm
1: going to disagree with that. I think that that helps the the record. I think it's the other way. I think it it
0: makes people's expectations so high that it's so easy for you to disappoint with any sense of imperfection that the fact that every song I listened to, I was like, Wow, this is such a, it, it was a good song from the all the ambiance intro shit to the outro shit to the lyrics to the way it was mixed. We keep talking about it. Yeah, the it's, mix was it's so strong. cool. It sounds beautiful when you listen to it in the car. If you listen to it on surround sound in your house, it sounds beautiful. The sound travels between the spe- I mean if you're if you're rich like me and have surround hey, sound. she's really rich. Um <laughs> it's a, it's from like the 90s.
2: <laughs> but um She gets her hair done like once a week. So my together. my the
0: reason I want to give them like a close to perfect is as how for us to be so satisfied with the record after so much buildup that tells me that it's even um Above the expectation of what would normally be a good album, you know what I'm saying? Like we would, we would, we would rate this album as a phenomenally mind blowing album if we didn't have this much buildup. Right, right.
2: And the only reason I didn't give it a five is because it's not my favorite Tool record. So it's like if it's my yeah, favorite it's Tool right. record, yeah, then it's yeah, then I would. I mean, and I don't
0: have a favorite we, Tool we record. Will, so. we'll,
2: yeah, we'll go through like me
1: and you. We'll talk about what what where we would rate the record. But I me mean, to me, it's a perfect record. The packaging is. My expectations on the packaging, even though I put forty dollars down, it, I think it, they should, should have charged more for yeah, what I got. Exceeded, you know? they, 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 the they packaging is amazing. My wildest expectations yeah, so this on that. that right there already makes it a it's an event because it's been thirteen years. It's one of the most relevant and important rock bands of any generation, definitely our era. You know, and what they did is that they they sounded fresh to me. It sounds fresh. It sounds new. It sounds completely different. Than the other four records they got, and I'm not talking about the opiate EP, we'll just not talk about that one. It's, I mean, it's a great EP, but we're talking about the other records. And, um, what it, it I don't know, man, it, it's just an important kind of album. I, I mean, I give it a five out of five. I think that what they did, bands can learn from how to stay true to your sound, not let outside influences come in, because this is this is a You could have dropped this record in 1975, in 1985, 1995, 2005, or today. If you
0: dropped that album with that tiny LED screen in it in 1975. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking about (laughs) music-wise. The
2: future is here. I'm talking about music-wise, I'm
1: not talking about packaging. And I think this record would still have the same effect, the same meaning. Lyrically, I think Maynard really wrote a a vital, important record. If you guys sit down and listen to to the lyrics, I think it's... It's timeless almost, you know? He's very
0: I, poetic. That's the thing about Maynard is that it's stuff that, like, you can... If
1: you go back to 10,000 Days, though, with songs like The Pot, or there's always, like, a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, or uh what's that one, Rosetta Stone, you know? There's always been kind of, like, a jokey manner to them. Like, this record, there's not. It's a very serious, it's a very, like, meaningful kind of record. It brings rock right back in the spotlight. Like, we can almost guarantee it's going to be the number one record in the country, you know, and... Um, I don't know, man. It doesn't cater to anything or any generation. It's just, this is Tool. This is what it is. To me, like I said, it's a perfect record. I, I would give it five out of five because I think that they are above and beyond most bands, if not you know, in the top 10 of active rock bands. That would, I, I mean, I definitely think top they are five, top actually. five at this point, yeah. right? And so they've met that, hey, you're in the top five of the active rock bands out there. They've met that expectation. So to me... Perfect record, five out of five, four point five, four point eight. So everybody here loves the record. Now, where would you put it in your gamut? Now you got to probably live with it longer. Yeah. I would put it number two on my favorite two records. I'd go Lateralis than this one, and then probably Anima Undertow, and then Ten Thousand Days. Go, is, I go is, uh, Anima.
2: I go Anima Lateralis Undertow. This record, Ten Thousand Days. Yeah. I really loved opiate though. It was really well done, and that was the thing that was that was the world's first introduction. Granted, every single one of us heard Undertow before we heard opiate The majority of us, yeah. I did, I did. Um, you know what I pulled out? I have the VHS of Salival,
1: the the live thing they put out. The is a VHS, and I don't know if people know what I'm talking about. I don't know if they even have that on the iTunes. I didn't see it, but it's a live CD they put out. Really sell it cool. On eBay. I'm never gonna sell it. <laughs> They they did a cover of No Quarter by Led Zeppelin. It's fucking amazing on wow. there, and it's like it's just like deep cuts like Third Eye Live. And I, I remember there's a song called Maynard's Dick. But anyways, the point is, <laughs> hey, fantastic, <laughs> fan, fantastic live record. And uh, I pulled that out and uh, revisited it, and I'm like, man. There is not a misstep in their career musically at all, and uh, this record just goes with that. So, you guys tell us what you thought about the uh, new Tool record, if you guys agree with us, or um, if, you know, I know that a lot of people with the short attention at band might not give it the time it needs.
0: Look, I'm going to say, it's, this is going to sound like a pretentious, another pretentious metal fan talking about how much better metal is it. but here, this is what I feel, and this is from, like, really digging into the songs that I have. This makes me feel the way that songs made me feel when they had intention. I feel like there's so much music that come out that comes out these days that doesn't have any intention behind it. It's not special. Each and every yeah. song on this album has an intention to it. They're not. It, this isn't to make money. That this isn't to. I mean, obviously, it's to make money. But you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's real intention behind every song.
2: Tool is one of those bands that can get away with doing what they want. They're not one of these bands that has to please the record labels, please the fans. They go out there and they put out what they want to put out. That's probably part of the reason why it probably took so long to get this record out in the first place.
1: Tool is one of those bands that you can look at their career and be like, it seems like you guys have never done anything for money and the fans are just there. So just give us what you want as artists and we'll take it. But like, you don't look at it and say, I'm sure they've done shows they don't want or something like that. And yeah. I'm, that's not my point. But my point is, artistically, they put out five records in 25 years, 30 years almost, right? Yeah. Um, everything is very pinpointed to the aura of what they are. The mystique of the band for the first 15 years was such an important thing. They stayed out of all that shit, right? Um, still do. I mean, they still do, but now, I mean, I didn't even know what they looked like. I, every time I saw Maynard pre-19, in the 90s, like he was, you know, where in, he's in drag, he's wearing makeup. They're all hidden. It was all about the visual show. They were very mystique. I remember him standing behind yeah, Danny be, Carey yeah.
2: sometimes. And By before, the way, yeah. How amazing mm-hmm. was Danny Carey on this uh, Dude, that's, holy that's, a, shit, I, and that is, dude. he's a highlight, but a I mean, I love highlight. Justin, I love Justin Chancellor. That's I, the, the funny thing. The, is the, that, Ch- the Justin Chancellor, uh, Danny Carey combination. Cause it's the bass and the drums are so fucking key yeah. and tool. And I mean, and, and everything comes together, but my God, dude, Danny Carey, like uh, the fact that people don't bring his name up and it's not a household name like a Vinnie Paul like a Neil Peart like uh, you, you know my like, favorite drummer
1: is Matt Cameron so I just I don't know he's he's my favorite I think Danny Carey and Matt Cameron have a similar uh,
2: style when they beat them drums all yeah. I'm saying is, is there's they're one of those guys where you, when you look at their drum set it's not just like a double bass it's difficult it is fucking uh, it's everything that is uh, percussion oriented and any he, he's got every type of it's, if, he, if you gotta blast that, if you gotta hit it he's got it
0: and And if you know anything about, like, if you grew up, like, taking music classes like I did, there's a lot of difficulty in the rhythm of a Tool song. There's no, it's not an easy count. It doesn't stay the same. Like, it goes back and forth, different counts, yeah, different time, time signatures. Yeah, the time
1: signatures are, are throughout, like she's saying, they're very different. But I mean, I think that if you stop and listen to any instrument, if you listen to Adam Jones on this record, yeah, and you focus that. And the mix, as we talked about when we heard the song, is like Maynard's in the background, so he's kind of haunting the the music is up front. In the
2: mix, it seems like the vocals are behind. And that works so well with this kind of material, yeah. And the one thing with Adam Jones, too, is you always hear this comparison. Tool has always constantly been compared their entire life, and I'm sure they're sick of it, to Pink Floyd. and. And I think they're the Pink Floyd of yeah, our generation. They are, they are. Yeah, yeah. But Adam Jones is the only reason why that comparison is there because he has that David Gilmore. He's not out there shredding, but he knows the exact way to bend the guitar he knows exactly how to make that one sound who cares like you watch Ingve Malmsteen and he's amazing how quickly his fingers are moving and it's it's unbut it's physically impossible for some people to move their hands like that but then you look at what 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 they do uh what Adam Jones does with the way he just bends it perfect it, I mean it is perfect at the, for that song and only David Gilmore to me has Okay, not only David Gilmore, but uh, but you know, there's there's a, there's a number of other guys that if I go down the whole entire list of classic rock and rock that just know how to just string a note along and really make it impactful. That those are the guys. That do I mean, it the this best. is
0: the thing that we're missing though in entertainment, right? This is a group of incredibly talented people, a whole group.
1: Yes, because mediocrity is king in, in yes. modern entertainment, whether it be film or music, or mediocrity is accepted and king. And when you have someone be like, not only are we, we not mediocre, we're the fucking best, best and we are who we are, it's
2: special. Yeah. And you know what it is about this band? It's the fact that they're all superior, superior musicians and... They're not putting out these records just to show that they're superior musicians. They're just putting out. They're just putting out excellent music. They're and putting out
0: music because they have it. Because yeah, they made a record, yeah. not to make. They're not making the music to make a record. They're making a record because they made music. Right,
2: right. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. like, Yo, There's going to be some guys who are like let's just show how amazing yeah. we are. And it's like, okay, yeah, you all shine individually, and it's and it's amazing what you guys are doing. I mean, we can obviously see the hours that you put into your craft, but like I said, with Tool. These guys aren't doing these insanely difficult things, but they are doing insanely difficult things because of the mood that they present.
0: They make it look easy.
2: Last question before we jump into our interview here with Ray. Do you guys think this is the last
1: Tool record? Yes. Yes. All right. I think there's one more in the tank.
0: I don't think so. I think that this feels... I think feels... there's
1: one more. I don't know when they're going to put it out, but I mean, they're they're getting up there in age. and But I think with the success and the voice that they put on this record, I think there's there's something, something left for them who knows man who knows but um the event is is here and uh we as rock and music fans love it they knocked it out of the park congratulations to tool um with that guys let's move right into our interview right now talk about some new great records on the horizon with ray luzier from kxm and corn Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks podcast. On the phone, I got Ray Luzier, um, and we're here to talk about the new record you're putting out by, with KXM. That album is called Circle of Dolls, and it will be out September 13th. Now, I love the supergroup mentality, so let's talk about KXM. It's featuring you, Doug Pinnock of King's X, and George Lynch of Lynch Mob, Dokken, and many other things. When originally coming together, what were you guys looking for to see if the pairing would work? But you, by the way, we're a
3: super duper group, not a super group. No. Uh, yeah, you know, we. It was a. It's a long story, and, and some people have heard about it, but I'll I'll give you the clip notes on it. Uh, basically, I had a birthday party for my son at my Los Angeles home, and about nine years ago, no, eight years ago, and all these people started um, trickling out of the party, and I have this little studio out there, and it ended up being me, Doug, and George in my little studio, and. And you know I've always admired them to the helm. I mean, Doug's is one of my favorite singers of all time. King's X should have been bigger than the Beatles, in my opinion. They're just—I just love that band. And you know, I used to wait in line it, it, to go see Dawkins in Pittsburgh back in the day. You know, so you know, just just to be friends with these guys is is awesome. To to put a band together with them it was just unheard of. You know, and but George was very persistent. He goes, "This would make a great lineup. We should get together and jam and see what happens." And that's what we did. He was very persistent. You know, Corn's off this time. You know, Lynch Rob's done this. Let's, let's, we have this Saturday, this Monday, and I'll be damned. Like little by little, we chipped away and, and, uh, we found out we can get along great musically and as, as bros. And that's, that's hard to find. Um, so yeah, that's basically the clip notes. Awesome.
1: And the chemistry is so apparent. You guys complement each other very well. Um, on the instrumentation. Yeah, it's fantastic. Three records in, though. I mean, has songwriting become easier, or is there more expectations that you guys put on yourselves?
3: You know, I'm always a fan of, of you know, I come from that old school, like, many failed original bands in Los Angeles. I, you know, I wanted to do the ultimate dream, kind of like what Korn has done. They've, they've you know, they had came from nowhere, wrote some songs, the next you it blew up, and the next record got even bigger, and I love the way, this, I love the progression of bands, the way they grow as a unit, and when KXM originally involved, you know, you know, we just said let's just try this as an experiment. Well, we found out that we worked together very fast and very quick in the studio. We, like, so we, we made this kind of rule for all three records that no one c- would come in with any preconceived, you know, riffs or notions or anything. Let's just go in, see what you got, plug in, literally let the tape roll, and um, come up with ideas. And that's what we did. And the, It works so well, you know, if you add up all the shows and the time we spent on the water out there, you're going (laughs) to, you obviously see the the experience level, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to come up with magical tunes or tunes that are good, you know, so um, we tried it again with Scatterbrain, our second record, to see, okay, we're going to write one song a day, and that's it. If If we don't get anything by the end of the day, we're moving on, and that's just the way it was, and we ended up writing 13 songs in 12 days um basic tracks done like i'd be tracking drums by 6 p.m uh of course george would do his leads later and doug would overdub vocals but the basic tracks were completely done and so with circle dolls we're like are we going to do this again or are we going to actually go into pre-production and do what normal bands do and and we all three went you know what let's do this again we seem to have this formula and uh i'll be damned we pulled it off
1: And the chemistry, as we mentioned before, it it does have that um, immediacy on your guys' records. There is an energy and it. The sound's very fresh. I think it's because of the way you guys do write, but it's also because you guys all are on the same page, I think, maybe, for a listener on that aspect. But do you feel writing albums like this would work with any (coughs) band, or do you think it's very special to the way you guys create music?
3: yeah it's pretty unheard of to most bands if you ask most bands out there they're like you're nuts i'll never do that you know it's uh uh, you have to get in and i know people that have written songs that are you know three years old now and they'll just go in and revamp them in the studio with a producer or whatever and that's the beauty about this band there are there is no producers um that's it's and i love i respect every producer i've ever worked with you know we've worked with a lot of big ones but it's awesome to go in there and say, you know what? No one's going to tell me what drum fill to play here. No one's going to tell me that this is too busy or Doug's playing the wrong bass notes or George's playing too, you know, whatever chords. It's pretty awesome to say, this is a hundred percent us. I mean, we have Chris Collier. Um, we call him the wizard. He's done all three KXM records and he does co-produce them. If we get a little too out of whack or, or out of bounds, he'll, he'll pull the rope, you know, rope us in a little bit and say, Hey guys, it's getting a little nutty. Let's, do this or whatever. So he is the outside ears, but you don't have a producer standing over you, and that's a that's an awesome thing, you know, um, that freedom. And I think that makes us when there's nobody holding you down, your creativity is just endless. You just it just pours out of you.
1: And when you're creatively following intuition. You know, and, and kind of putting it on on tape, if we may. I know it's digital, but when when your guys are following your intuition more or less and following that, y- there is a uh, going to be a subconscious to your guys's records. You know that you're probably not aware of while recording. For example, Circle of Dolls is a darker record thematically than Scatterbrain or KXM. Can you tell me mm-hmm. the elements that motivated that presentation?
3: Um, you know the, the time periods in our lives. You know it, it's it's. You know, when we come in there, like I said, everything's fresh, so whatever we're going through that particular period in our lives, that's what comes out. I mean, th- with this particular record, uh, we talked about doing it, going a different avenue and maybe going a little bit darker. We didn't really sit there and plan on writing those particular riffs or grooves. We, again, we just did everything fresh, but there's definitely a, um, a darker side to it um, than, the, than the other ones. Um, and again, uh, you know, evolving... You know, I, I, that's my biggest thing in, in music is watching the same members to see how they progress, you know, through the different record cycles. And um, the interesting thing about and was we've never done one live gig. And a lot of times when bands do live gigs, things come out of, you know, riffs and songs come out of those uh, shows or when you're on the road playing or you're backstage or you're, you know, sound checking you always come up with riffs. Well, this band has never done one live show, and it's mostly my fault, <laughs> because uh, my band's so busy, and it's hard to schedule anything, but it's not out of the question. We definitely want to play live, and and, and I know that's going to fuel even more music, you know, uh, but um, our ultimate plan would be to, to do a string of shows, and then film a professional DVD or something that we can put online uh, that the, the fans that you know, never saw us live can see us
1: now with all the songs you guys have had as you mentioned you guys never did play a live gig and we're still not sure if it's going to happen this cycle is that fair to say or no
3: yeah it's it's hard because corn's releasing a exactly. record at the same time yeah. um in september so it's it's hard to uh to tell but i do know that um you know we're trying to corn is trying to take a different route doing more selective shows less of them higher quality kind of things and not just going out forever like we used to do Um, corn was a band that never stopped touring and now we're trying to we actually took a bunch of time off i did uh jonathan davis's solo tour last year Mm -hmm. um for a few months but corn has been off for about two years so there is there is more time now than ever for a kxm uh possibility and that makes me happy because i really want to i really want to see um how it would be live and i've always pictured it and we've gotten close here and there we've had offers and uh the winery dogs you know with mike portnoy and richie cost and they asked us to go out a few times and i think that'd be the ultimate to go out with bands that are of the same genre and same uh, kind of crowd um you know aspects
1: winery dogs they just came i'm in las vegas they just came out here a little while ago and um i can't tell you yeah. one of the best just a that would be a fantastic lineup but 40 songs you guys have right now do you think it'd be tough to to whittle it down to a set list for you because uh all these songs they've never had that live experience and that usually is the journey for us fans right is that we get the record and then we hear the song live and then we kind of have this experience but with you guys you'd kind of be going in blind um yeah totally yeah is that uh would you just focus on the new record or would you be like we got to play a mix
3: what what would you think yeah, we have to play mixed. because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a huge fan of the the first record. Mm-hmm. I love all of them, but I I really there's some some deep cuts on there that I would love to see how they would transpose live. I mean, the biggest the hardest thing is Doug. Obviously, he's a freaking mastermind on on singing and playing at the same time. I mean, those bass lines are so not just much like King's X They don't go with with the vocal lines. So when you, he's you have to be, his independence is so incredible to be able to pull that off. So even he said it would take us weeks of rehearsals just for the first, very first show, just for his um, vocals and playing bass at the same time. Cause he, he told me straight up, because I don't want to run tracks. You know, mo- most bands these days run tracks and they have a lot of, ton of stuff on background. And he goes, I want to do this, a three piece and just go out and, and blow, blow walls. And I'm like, wow. That's, that's saying a lot because a lot of bands really rely on, on backing tracks these days. And uh, so for him to say that, I uh, would have to really get in there and shed some wood. <laughs> and another thing, we know, none of us are 25 anymore. We're, I'm the baby in the band at 49. So it's like, it's, you know, it's uh, it, it would be just
1: interesting in itself, you know. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And I was uh, saying, King's X does have a new record, the first one in a long time. I want to say over a decade unless I'm mistaken on that, yep. um, coming out this year as well. So um, mm-hmm. th- with that in mind, it doesn't, I don't know if it fits, but would you guys ever talk about doing something, you know, with Corn and King's X Torn together just because the album cycles are, are close? Is that, does that make sense or is that kind of, yeah? yeah you, never,
3: you never know. I mean, mm-hmm. and even Corn has talked about like they did family values years ago mm-hmm. before I was in the band um, over 12 years ago. And, and, they always said, like, we all have, we have our respective side bands, and, and we're always joking around about doing a corn show, Family Values, and have all of our opening bands open for the show. And that would be the ultimate killer thing for a fan, because you get to hear different aspects of each one of us, and then with our respective bands. So that's not out of the question. It's always been talked about. And, and who knows, with King's X, I think it's more of a possibility to do you know it's up to doug and his poor voice <laughs> he wants to torture himself like that you know i always joke about like changing my kick drum head you know putting a <laughs> kxm on and, and then changing it to but it's uh it's you know it, there's all always possibilities for it it's just the reality sometimes is uh harsh because of of scheduling and and people's uh just everyday lives you know
1: yeah man i and i and I get that and I think as a fan we win um if bands or musicians want to branch out and put out side projects like this because as you mentioned this the winery dogs there's a lot of them where guys in the region you know you guys are all kind of l a based um come together and put out really special stuff but we get the 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 record of it you know opposed to back in the day it was a lot harder to because of contractual things and all these things to do little projects like that. Do you think that that freedom is very good for you as a creative person?
3: Um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, very more, much more free. I mean, it's like, it's, a. and the thing is people were not as, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's just, it's just not as harsh on each other as they used to be. Um, if, if good music is good music you know the songs will always prevail and and if you're most of the time when you're in a band and you put out something like it's it's funny because uh brian had welsh and monkey you know in my band um corn are are huge george lynch fans you know brian said he wouldn't have picked a guitar up if it wasn't for george lynch so you know he's he trips out that i'm in a side band with with one of his heroes you know and, if you go to his old house in Bakersfield, with his parents, where his parents live, he still has George Lynch pictures hanging up, and his, you know, his hair spiked up like George back in the day, holding one of Lynch's guitars. I mean, it's pretty,
1: <laughs> pretty admirable, you know. Nice man. No, I had no idea about that, but yeah, I mean, George is yeah. a legendary guitar player from an era where, I mean, Van Halen, there were so many coming out. And his name is yeah. s- synonymous with that era, but it's still very relevant. So, yeah, to to be able to de- even write songs with them, I think, is a huge win. As you mentioned with Doug, me growing up in the 90s, King's X was this one of the most underrated bands that... And, and I would always force it on people. Like, I don't get why they're not where they're at, like you mentioned before. But to be able to, yeah. you know, be in a band with the creative talents, which you can't fuck with on both levels, it's, yeah. it's super special. Now... I do get questions uh, quite often whenever we're talking about (laughs) supergroups, super super duper groups, maybe. Um, I'm going to let you tell me what this one is. But you obviously were in one before that um, people love the record, and that is the Army of Anyone record. So tell me how different this experience is with the Army of Anyone
3: supergroup setup. You know, I love that's one of my babies. That's one of my probably – you know, I'm really biased to my own music. I'm on over 100 records. And I can barely listen to 10 of them just because I always think I can do better. And, uh, should have. you know, your records are very weird because you freeze that moment in time and it lives forever. It'll outlive us all. We're dead and gone. This music lives on. It's a weird way of looking at it, but that's, <laughs> that's the way I look at it. So records are very uh, special to me when you record. There's some that you just get in and jam and, and that moment's captured. There's some that people spend... Way too much time on, and it's overproduced. And you know, Army of Anyone. When I got to, the, the long story short of that, is I was in David Lee Roth's band for mm-hmm. eight years from '97 to '05, and I loved Dave to death. It was an awesome gig, it was one of my dreams come true. Playing, you know, Hot for Teacher and Panama and Dancing I Away, you know, just like Paradise with the David Lee Roth himself. You know, it was like there's nothing like it. But the whole time, I, creatively, I was, I was struggling. I really wanted to. Uh, I wrote a lot of music. And I. You know, my dream with Dave was to do another Eat and Smile band, like uh, Sheehan, Vi, and Bizet, and put out a ripping record again. And he didn't really want to do that. It was really frustrating to me. And kept putting out cover songs. And anyway, uh, I played The Nam Show with Billy Sheehan. Uh, I think it was 04 or 05. And uh, Robert and Dean DeLeo from Sun Temple Pilots were on the same bill playing with Steve Ferroni, uh of Farm Fur, and I was just, I'm the hugest STP fan, I just really love all the music, and
0: uh, they were watching us
3: soundcheck, and I'm, I told Billy, I go, man, they must hate us, because we're just playing all these notes and ripping, and, and they're, you know, they, they're playing funky stuff, and and turns out that Robert and Dean were checking me out, and they said, hey, we're putting this band together with Richard Patrick from Filter, and I said, man, I'm a huge Filter fan, please let me audition, and they said, oh, you'll audition, all right, you know, so. I uh, went down, learned the six-song demo they had, and um, we didn't play one song off of that. We did uh, Zeppelin Physical Graffiti, I think Sides 1 and 2, because and, they're huge Zepp freaks. And I went to the bathroom, and they said, where are you from again? I go, Pittsburgh. And they said, uh, welcome to the band. And I was like, can we at least play one of the songs of the demos? And they started laughing, you know. Uh, and that was it. And that, that band was born, and... I think getting back to your question, what's the difference between the two from KXM is that um, this was a band and we stopped everything to do it. You know, this there was no side project. Like we were, how know of anyone was going to be a band, you know, um, to do multiple records, multiple tours, et cetera. And unfortunately we short lived, you know, we were the Guinea pigs on firm records mm-hmm. and um, they kind of, we had some not so great business decisions, being made, uh, I'm really bummed at that because Army of Anyone Two, the music we were writing was even better than the first one. <laughs> so, uh oh, that's it's, something. It's, but I, I always encourage everyone to go check it out. You know, it's it's a, it's a very special record to me, and um, yeah. But I think that's the difference. That was, you know, KXM. We know it's going to be a side project. Army of Anyone was going to be a full-fledged. Let's do this. You know.
1: And at the time, the expectations, I remember, were high because Velvet Revolver worked out so well, Audio Slave And Army of Anyone was put right next to those bands because it was these groups of members of very successful bands. And um, Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to see Army of Anyone live out here in Las Vegas when you guys toured. Yeah, I saw you guys. It was great. Uh, I'll never forget. I mean, he did Hey Man Night Shot. As you know, you guys did a couple songs from each other band. Um, Yeah. But the majority was those songs. And I remember feeling after I saw those songs i'm like this is like my favorite record right now a lot of people got that feeling uh, and um and then yeah, i thanks. shortly after that tour i'm pretty sure that's when i heard that they were going to reunite with scott wyland i think the dudes and then i i was like ah, i was more excited about an army and everyone part two than a new stp with scott wyland at the time you know so um sure regardless and
3: that's a lot of people a lot of people did they were they were kind of and I, it was inevitable that they were going to get back with Scott eventually. Mm. I knew that. It's much like when I was with Dave. I knew that the Van Halen brothers were going to get back with him eventually. But you just never know. There's no one's got a crystal ball. But um, when something's that special, and we had such a some some magic in the studio, and really got along musically, and they're just they're beautiful human beings and songwriters. And it's just I really wanted to see what would happen for a second record and third, and just get bigger and bigger tours you know but hey that's it happened for a reason and
1: here we are exactly and so because i know that there was thought of an army of anyone do you think that by by any chance that maybe it can go the kmx route where you guys just write songs but don't tour and do a second army of anyone record or do you think that's kind of off the table
3: no we've been talking on uh, via email and i've ran into robert and dean quite a few times i actually did the 2016 classic rock awards hmm. in tokyo with robert and dean we were the house band and we played with um you know jeff back to to the scorpions to uh tesla to all these classic rock bands we were the house band for them so it was just amazing when we got back together that chemistry instantly came back and we just started laughing because we play so well together you know so uh Richard and I have been emailing back and forth. We've been on chain emails talking about possibly going to AOA 2. And that's – it's not impossible at all. I think um, if all our schedules align someday and our heart's in it and we – the time is right, um, I think that will happen.
1: Awesome, man. And I hope you guys do – As I always want you guys a tour, but I understand life, but – I do hope that anybody yeah. that missed out on the first the tour you guys did out here with Army of Anyone, if they missed out, for them to to revisit it, it would be a real special thing. Because like I said, fans bring it up all the time, all the time. I talk about it. yeah, and I'm sure you get it more than most, you know. So um, well,
3: it, it blows me away because I'll go to a, like a core meet and greet, and someone will have an Army of Anyone CD, and yeah. I just I just stops me in my tracks, and I'm like, man, thank you so much for appreciating this because. It meant a lot to us. And they're like, dude, I listen to this all the time still. It's like, you know, so.
1: Yes, excellent, man. So we do have to, I do want to obviously bring up, we're here to talk about uh, Circle of Dolls, the new record by KXM. Guys, make sure you check it out. Check out the video. Uh, Great track. You guys released the first track on a video. It's coming out September 13th, but we do have to bring up the new record by Korn. Obviously that it's coming out September 13th as well, called The Nothing. Now, the last record you guys did, The Serenity of Suffering, um, it got closer to the, the heavier side. A lot. It made a lot of best of lists. A lot of people were really happy with the trans. The way it went back up to kind of that heavier sound. Now, does nothing follow that pace? Because a lot has happened in that camp in the last three years. Or is it kind of more of a personal record?
3: Yeah, it's it's all of the above. It's, mm. it's personal because of obviously Jonathan. You know, losing yes. his wife last year it was a really heavy year for all of us it really took a toll on the band and um he him i i can't believe we did the rest of his solo tour to be honest because i mean but to him that was therapy if he didn't do his music i think he would have went insane you know so um but writing nothing we went back in the studio with producer nick rascaletics one of my favorite producers of all time um he's really passionate he gets the band he gets he's a fan you know he's not just sitting there uh, trying to Make a paycheck he really gets inside the, the music and uh and to me this uh, i'm not just saying that it because it's our, our latest record i this is definitely my favorite record out of all, everything i've done in the uh, 12 plus years with corn um it's we just released a song today um, called cold it's on uh, youtube you can type in corn cold cold with a c not k and uh it's Cold's one of my favorite songs from the record it pretty much sets the pace of the whole record you know we have um you'll never find me video that's out and i love playing it live we're doing it on tour right now with allison chains and uh but man this this new record is just yeah i'm, I'm really thrilled about it. the kxm circle dolls and the new corn record or i never thought you know i'd say that this is like two of my favorite records but they really are they're really uh just, I don't know, all the way around, um, writing-wise, song quality-wise, and it's just, to me, is, is uh, just two great releases, you know?
1: Absolutely. No, excited as a fan, for sure. And with the corn record, The Nothing, now, as we mentioned, there were a lot of issues, not issues, but there were a lot of tragedies and things that happened in that camp at the time. Was In writing this record, was it harder for you to get involved in it, or did you just kind of... Just stay the same no. course as you did the other ones. No?
3: Yeah, it, it's it's when we it's usually me, monkey, and head that mm-hmm. get together first, and we hash out riffs and grooves and ideas, and then Philly comes in, um, adds, and then this time we we all got together. It was really great. I mean, Jonathan came down a, a lot of the writing sessions and gave his two cents, and it, it, it encouraged him more for the writing process for melodies and words, which is a big deal because a lot of times. The Serenity of Suffering, that's one of my favorite records too. But we just handed, you know, Jonathan a big pile of music and went, Here's what we got, you know, make it great. <laughs> it's like, that's a lot of pressure for a singer, you know. Mm. Uh, so this record, he was really involved a lot with the grooves, and he'd even sit down on my drums and, hey, you know, he calls me Ray, 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 he say, Hey, check this out, check this groove out. And I'm like, Man, I love that. Let me take it here, and I'm going to take it over here. And, it, it, and then he'd pick up the bass and say, I was thinking of this. And so, it makes it more exciting when everyone's on board like that. And I think the traumatic experience that happened to him, if you mix all of us collectively writing together and the emotions, he went through and still is going through forever. Uh, uh, it's, it's a, just a knockout of the park record. It's like he, he's, uh, you can feel what he's going through on these, on these songs. It's like, there's beautiful melodies or growls. There's not too many people that can sing like Jonathan Davis, you know, um, they all have their own ways of playing, you know, for sure. I mean, with the seven string guitars and five string basses, and it makes me play differently than I ever have just because of the way that they play, you know, um, for many years, I was a session guy and I would adapt to people very quickly, but you don't adapt, uh, to a band like Korn. It's, it's, you really got to get inside it and, and it's, it's a lot of feel and soul, you know, just sit back there and play drums, you know, it's, um, uh, if you see me on deck with corn, it's like it's literally. I don't even know what's going on or who I am when I'm up there. It's just you just become this thing, you know. Something takes over for that 90 minutes, and you're, uh, um, it's, you know, quite the experience.
1: No, emotionally, like you said, there's nobody that quite <coughs> sings like Jonathan Davis. No, the emotional, the what he emotes vocally live or on record, I think is very special it gives you the goosebumps it's very relatable his voice has i think that's a huge part of why so many people relate to that band across the world you know without a shadow of a doubt the fact that you guys came together and created this record as a family you know all together that makes it so exciting for us fans you know um it's always special to to know that everybody's getting along and everybody has the same mindset i think those are the records that come out that really are the classics if i may you know um this is well, and, at,
3: yeah at, it, we're, we're at this point in our lives where we really appreciate we, we we understand that how fortunate we are to still be making a living on this level you know it's mm-hmm. like a lot of bands go they ride out their last couple hits or whatever and they just go play and, and let's get this over with we're really at a highlight of our careers where we love getting up playing we get along as brothers and we're just
1: really appreciative ray right, with that They're man so excited about everything we talked about the new record circle of dolls congratulations I haven't heard the nothing but I am very excited and again your words make me even more excited to check it out and I'm gonna cross my fingers on that possibility of a second army of un- anyone down the road five years five years <laughs> yep we're all excited <laughs> for it dude so with that man I want to thank you so much dude for calling into the metal
3: sucks podcast that's all man. thank you for having me and I appreciate it SUCKS PODCAST Metal Sucks Podcast.
4: I saved a place for you.
1: Guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the latest record from KXM. That song is called Lightning, guys. Circle of Dolls is coming out September 13th. If you guys haven't checked that band out, do fantastic. Just such a good rhythm with those guys when they play together. Next song you guys heard is, uh, man, what a fantastic track. That's off the new record by Korn, The Nothing. Uh, First time I heard that song, it's called Cold. I was like, wow, I'm definitely gonna check this record out. Really excited about the new Korn record. And the last song we had to play song off of Army of Anyone, a band that uh, Ray was a part of and we talked about in the interview. But uh, the legacy of that band has really grown with fans, and that is uh, It Doesn't Seem to Matter off. Their only self-titled record, And with that, guys, I want to thank everybody one more time for the five-star reviews we are getting on iTunes. That is all we ask for you guys. We don't ask for money. We don't ask for nothing. We're not doing Patreon. All we want you guys to do if you enjoy this show is to give us a little click on that iTunes review, and we will keep putting it out for you guys weekly. and uh truly appreciate everybody that's done that already but if you haven't please take the time to do that also guys uh make sure you check out our other podcast rise to a offend it's a documentary podcast this week we will be finishing ann coulter so uh that will be the end of uh all that hate. Oh, <laughs> right? my God, dude. That was a hard one to get through. Yeah. Hard, dude, uh, I, yeah, I read her books. I read her books, <laughs> man. You know, I was like, I, I read four, and I'm like, man. It's like, you get brainwashed pretty easily with her words, dude. She's intense. Um, but, yeah, if you guys are interested in hearing some of that, like I said, we cover everybody on Rise to Offend. Uh, whether If you're a music fan, we've done Henry Rollins, Phil Anselmo, Peter Steele. If you're a, a sports fan, we've done the Cleveland Browns. We've done mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, Floyd Mayweather, guys. So if you're interested in a documentary podcast come check out rise to offend email me rise to offend at gmail.com with your tool reviews with anything that you guys think that we've said on this show we got a bunch of emails we will talk about them next week uh, especially about our music uh, episode that we did a couple weeks back until then next week friends the metal
3: sucks podcast is signing off
0: this is the jabber podcast
3: network